Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. kid and you're like oh yeah like I want to be a full I want to go to the Olympics and I want to be a full-time athlete like that was literally what I was doing and I hated it and I was like oh kind of felt a bit bad <laughs> so that right there is Justine Lucas or more informally known as Justo so uh, Justo is currently a performance lifestyle advisor at British Power Swimming and the Elite Institute of Sport Um, a really really enjoyed speaking to Justo. Um, she talked about how she got herself into elite rugby at Loughborough University, uh, which then led her onto a pathway representing her country at the Rugby Union World Cup in 2017. Um, it was really good to discuss Justo's experiences at the top of women's rugby, um, and she really gave a, a really honest insight and a really courageous insight into her experiences and the reasons why she left the sport. Um, it was really interesting to see how that helped her transition into the role that she's doing today. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Um, thanks for listening. Essentially, the aim of our podcast is to get people chatting about women's sport, promoting women's sport, promoting people working in women's sport, especially yeah. women's sport as well. So, um, yeah, I thought you'd be cracking to have on, um, especially like given your playing history, but then also that transition into what you're doing now. So, um, yeah, essentially, mate, to kick off, what, how did you get into playing rugby in the first place? Um, yeah, so it was um, not like, it's a bit of a long-winded one, really. So I um, was originally like playing hockey uh, and went to uni at Loughborough and played hockey, but I am um, kind of, not like didn't fit in but like you know when you like find your people and they're not the hockey team and they were like some people that I was in halls with and they were all the footballers so I played football before and then started playing football and then one of them and was like oh I've been going along to like um rugby training because I was a goalkeeper and so was she 
and she was like the fitness is actually much more relevant in rugby like getting up and down and doing random stuff and turning and whatever else so she was like why don't you come along and I basically just went along to like a trial free taster thing I think on a Tuesday evening and like literally just loved it and thought oh my god this is this is my people this is my sport like why have I not why have I not found this previously um and that was it then I was hooked um played it in my third year for uni and then went across to Litchfield and like yeah really the rest was history after that just got stuck in and loved it and just wanted to be the best I could playing rugby yeah that that's crazy then mate isn't it if you think about it because like so you see people in performance sport like they're playing years like first thought of like first ever, ever since I could walk and kick football ever since I could walk I, I had a hockey stick in my hand but for you even okay. like third year of uni yeah but I think that's kind of like the beauty of rugby a little bit though is that there's so many positions there's so many different attributes that you have to have in those positions that it is quite it is a sport that you can transfer into um because there's, there's still plenty of girls now it's becoming less common I'd say um, but there's still plenty of girls now that are like playing in the England setup that haven't like in the grand scheme of things like you're saying haven't been playing that long like picked it up in their 20s maybe I think we've got like some netballers that have come over obviously need those kind of handling skills um like a thrower as well that's come over and are various different things but I think that that literally is beauty of rugby you've got those kids that start at five and that's the only thing they want to do and, and they can obviously aspire to be a professional women's rugby player now but you've also got people that might like like me probably didn't find their their perfect sport for kind of their physique mentality whatever and can still make a go of it so I think that's probably quite like something that stands rugby out a little bit yeah definitely so like as you say like essentially never too late to start and as you say like building those core skills like taking away everything within like team sport in itself the communication like you said the handling skills the fitness uh, the change of direction having that core basis has allowed Mm -hmm. you to kind of flourish once you've found that that sport yeah no massively I think as well like rugby is quite a welcoming sport uh, and I guess it's because you appreciate that everyone has their different thing that they bring but it's one of the most welcoming sports that I've ever been involved in because everyone's like oh yeah just like get stuck in this is how you do that and I think some other sports especially when if you've been like on a pathway from a really young age people get like oh who's this new person like they've not been playing England under 18 like they must like who are they they're not part of our crew but like rugby is really welcoming um so I think that helps as well and people just help each other and get stuck in so you then create that environment where you're just learning and you want to learn more and you're playing with like really big time people and you've already just picked up a rugby ball and you're like this is cool (laughs) no that's great mate that's great and I suppose like you said the girls at Loughborough they helped out with that and that performance set up side of it yeah um I can't, you know when it's so long ago now, like I can't really remember, but I remember just feeling welcome straight away. Um, and I think then as well, so that was like 2010 time. So that kind of coincided with the Women's World Cup that was in England. And actually, I think that's when people really started following and hearing about women's rugby. So I think that was a bit of a turning point as well. So I think I was almost lucky that that coincided, that it wasn't, one of those sports that was already like taking off like the football women's super league obviously started 2011 I think didn't it so it was already pretty big in England 
whereas rugby was only just taking off. So there was more opportunities. There's like less participation, I guess. So there's more opportunities to kind of just slot into a team because they needed a player. But then actually that being a really good learning opportunity for me personally as well. So I remember just like my first game, I think I was on the wing because they were like, we just need a winger. And I was like, oh God, like, I'm not quick. Um, quickly got moved to the other end of the scale. Um, but yeah, just everyone just got stuck in and you needed players and you just learned as you went along. I've made that. No, that's great. It's great. And like you say, that, that just increases that whole cohort of girls getting into sport, even like from, from a young age. But even so, like I say, at your age as well like there's still scope and there's opportunity to go and, and develop and yeah as you know like as you know like Loughborough is massive for the sport um so in terms of like that performance edge of it was you well supported was you like training every week yeah so again back then that's quite a long time ago so I remember like we were in the top league of, league of bucks um but I would say it wasn't until I went across to Litchfield where I kind of got got that performance edge um, and, and that was in terms of, and again, that was pretty far down the line. At, the, at that time, it was literally just like club rugby. You turned up on a Tuesday and a Thursday and then played on a Sunday. But like every year, there was like more expectation to do stuff. And I think the club like, got an SNC coach, like provided extra sessions. Um, but it, when did the Prem 15 start? So that was four or five years ago now. And that was the real turning point for that performance piece. Because um, I think, again, England rugby kind of knew, right, we're, we're potentially going to be left behind here if we don't put some more investment into the game. And since that four or five years ago now, it's just literally taken off. And I think well, the Saris quins game was on TV on BT Sport yesterday. I'd really be, I'd be really interested to see what the viewing figures were, but it was a really, really good game. There was yeah. play, like, fans in the crowd and like just a really good spectacle for women's sport in general. And... Honestly, that's worlds apart from where we were five years ago. And you wouldn't have imagined that that would be possible, but that's come from investment from England Rugby to make sure that every team in that league has a physio, has an SNC coach, has analysis, whatever it, whatever else it is, there's like a minimum criteria they have to hit so that all of these girls now coming through have that performance and, and like kind of performance environment so they can thrive and, and hopefully move through the pathway and aspire to play for England in the future as well. Yeah, no, it's great that they're pumping so much more money and, and resources into it. Um, so I remember like a couple of challenges that you had in terms of you'd be training and then you're still working at Birmingham Uni as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that was by far. Well, it's a funny one because I think there wasn't that expectation on you to like have to train, it was almost like more motivating for me. So yes, I was working a full-time job. And then well, once I got into the England set up, training twice a day, basically. So there's loads of times where I'd go to the gym at the uni, do a full day's work, then drive up to Litchfield and, and train. But it was almost like, cause I wanted it so bad and I wanted, and I was so invested in that team. Like that didn't matter to me. That was just like, yeah, that, that's what I do. I'm a rugby player. So I have to get up and go to the gym and then go to training. But it's funny though when money starts getting involved, it's like it just adds like a bit of a spanner in the works. Like I don't know, it's it's definitely a very different world now. And there's literally eighteen year old kids that are getting like a contract, and you're like, that is wicked. And I never thought that I would have have had the opportunity to to have that and be paid to play. So I like appreciate that so much. But it's just such a different vibe from just doing it because you love it from doing it. To, 
to getting paid but then equally like those girls are going to have so many more opportunities and have so much more knowledge from such a young age like it's exciting to see where that will take the, take the game. Looking back would you have done anything differently in terms of that balance of your training and your job? Um, I don't think I could have to be honest <laughs> like I think it was just one of those things that like you had to go to the gym and do it and if you didn't you knew someone else was going to do it and, and get your spot so and I think that that's quite a motivation for me is like kind of having that kind of competitiveness with other people and wanting to do it for the team um and like at, at the time there was like no other no other option so no and I think it I think it provides a certain mindset as well like you know you have to work hard and you know you have to do certain things which I think is a bit lost now in the professional game um there's definitely a very different mindset from the kind of more senior players to the ones coming through um and I think it is just because they haven't had to do a full-time job on top of all the training they have to do um yeah it's a bit interesting but <laughs> no absolutely like I say I'd I've known people that can relate to that across different sports and that mm -hmm. football, um, hockey, especially like since the Olympics, like coverage of, of women's sports specifically is like absolutely boomed. And yeah. as you say, like youngsters haven't had to go through kind of some of the stuff the more senior players have had to go through in terms of balancing work life career. There's there's so much more opportunity now that they can train full time, they can play. That's all they've got to focus on um which again I was speaking to one of my mates who was at Blackburn RTC and she had a career-threatening injury and had to retire mm -hmm. at 16 so in, in a sense it's, it's a bit of a risky game as well yeah massive yeah I guess that ties now into like what I do as a job now <laughs> is that's like that's literally my job being like right so Yes, you swim, but what are you going to do like beyond that and what are you going to do alongside that? And I think it is really important to have that balance. And and yes, like obviously it's fantastic to be able to give yourself fully to a sport and commit to that and be able to train in the day and not have to be going to bed at 11 o'clock and then getting up at six in the morning. But I think it is really important that you're not consumed by that and you have something going on. You have other passions, other interests. You have like a career goal in mind that you can start chipping away at because ultimately like if you've got a profile if you're playing on tv if you're being followed by loads of young girls on twitter and that or, or boys then you've got a platform and actually whilst you're in that make the most of it because trust me <laughs> a year down the line when you're retired <laughs> no one gives a crap but yeah but i think that's like the, probably the difference now is that actually that kind of free time you have you've got an opportunity to use that to set yourself up for the future uh, and I think it's so important because when I look back on it when that period that kind of we were solely contracted to play rugby and that's literally all we did I definitely didn't have enough going on and it definitely affected my mental health and you you've just become consumed in it and because you're with people that you train with and then you're socializing with the same people you just talk about rugby <laughs> and then it gets in your head and you're like oh god like that's that's just who you are then a rugby player and then you start moaning and then it's just like a downward spiral but actually if you have something else that you're passionate about go off and do that then it's really refreshing and can support your mental health as well as your kind of career ambitions as well so 
I know that that's my job to kind of say that, but I actually I completely 100% believe it and buy into it as well. And I wouldn't be doing that job if I didn't kind of believe that either. Would you say you lost you lost your love for playing a little bit from that? From yeah, I, yeah, I did. I, I think it was like a combination of a lot of things during that time. But I think there, there was almost like a bit of a resentment. Um, and as well, con- because of the situation we were in leading up to a World Cup when, when we got kind of contracted, we were away from home a lot. Um, and the wages weren't really that good um they're a lot better now but again we're expected to do a lot on not a lot of money and get by and just kind of suck it up um and then ultimately as well literally this, the day after the world cup final that was like the end of our contract and we were like expected to go back to work and literally some people played the final on the saturday then were back in work on the monday and there was all kind of that resentment um my club as well um, that I was living in Birmingham to play for, didn't get into the Prem 15s, which now when you look back at it, I like 100% agree was the right decision. But that, I was like, in my head, I was like, that's the only team that I'm ever going to play for because I love playing for them. And then that was taken away. And my, to be honest, my relationship with one of the coaches was not great. And I think it was just all of these things just like mushed into one, kind of like came to a head at, at the same time. And, and you're right, I lost the love. And like, it's really, well... I would. I don't think I regret it because I moved into now this job that I love doing, and it's given me lots and lots of opportunities. And I probably said wouldn't wouldn't be in this job necessarily if, if I hadn't had some of those experiences. Um, but yeah, it kind of almost is a bit of a shame that you fall out of love with something that you've been in love with for so long, and gave me so many opportunities, so many best mates, and and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because I don't regret it don't regret kind of stepping away at the time but it's just a shame because it was getting to that point where I could have done it as a full-time job and that was like you know when you're a little kid and you're like oh yeah like I want to be a full I want to go to the Olympics and I want to be a full-time athlete like that was literally what I was doing and I hated it and I was like oh I kind of felt a bit bad (laughs) (laughs) but again that's massive credit to you I think just though because you could have easily gumbled on with that being essentially in a job that you're not enjoying and life's too short like I say at at certain times you you did love that you love the sport you love playing but once that enjoyment trickles off whether you're grassroots whether you're professional playing for England if you're not enjoying it then in like the weirdest possible way we're on this earth for a very very finite space of time and if you're not enjoying it what what's the point what's the end goal yeah and I, always, and I always say that to like the athletes that I work with now and like moving into my new job I'm like the the key thing here is that you enjoy it and you love it otherwise what's the point like literally what is the point and I think like you said I could have carried on like it almost got to the point where I couldn't carry on because I just was that unhappy um but there are well there are probably a lot of people that do because you know that's their dream and they're and they're living it even though it is rubbish but um well, it's not rubbish, but like I felt that it was not what I wanted or hoped for it to be or whatever. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like you've got to enjoy what you do. Um, and now I like love what I do and I'm really ambitious in where I want to go and I want to help other athletes enjoy their journey. And that's why I'm in kind of the area and moving into a new job in that kind of pathway area, because that's such an important part of getting people 
to, to where they want to be and making sure that they enjoy it and they're passionate about it but they also understand that you know actually if you do ever get paid to play it's going to be really really hard and, and, and helping them prepare for that in, in that kind of massive developmental stage of their life yeah no I think I think that's a very brave and courageous decision that you made and would you say it's difficult trying to get that point across to your athletes because if they're in it and they're loving it it's like all I'm gonna do is swim it's fine like I'm not thinking about after I'm just gonna swim now do you find that it's difficult to break that barrier down or are they normally Um, quite receptive to it yeah to be fair they're normally quite receptive to it but I think that's because like the para swimming program as a whole is pretty supportive of it. There are other sports that I know it's much more challenging because their coaches are like, well, no, they can't have that time off. We can't be flexible because they've got to be here, here, here. And, and then it puts barriers up, especially to things like education. Um, so, well, actually, if you go and do this course at university, you're going to be missing this, 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 and this, and that's, you can't do it. Um, whereas swimming, because of the nature of really early and really late, there is a lot of time in the day. So it is, I guess the culture of it is is a bit more flexible to be able to do education or work or set up your own business or do a little bit of that, listen to that just because of the way the training works. But also I think within the power swimming programme specifically, they are they are pretty encouraging of people doing other stuff and taking opportunities. Um so I think it's like a balance of that kind of culture, training, management bit. But most of them, like on a one-to-one when I speak to them, most of them are pretty keen nowadays to, to do extra stuff. But again, I think social media like has like massively played a part of that and people speaking out about their struggles and like like loads of athletes now and sports people like are launching their own businesses, clothing brands, coffee shops, whatever else. I think actually that's just becoming such a normal thing to do now. I think it's then easier for other athletes to, to follow on and understand why it's a benefit. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as you said, like similar to your playing experience, if you've got that other hobby or distraction away from it, that's going to increase your productivity whilst you're in it as well. It's a little bit same with like myself at work with the NHS. If you're constantly work, 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 that's it, it just dissolves you. You just get completely sucked into it. And you find yourself just mumbling on day to day, whereas you go away, you do, you meet a couple of mates and things like that, and you come back to it. You're so much more productive and you're enjoying it. But the fact that you're in that environment day in, day out, you're having the same conversations day in, day out, it, it just consumes you. It just consumes yeah. you. No, um, massively. And as you say, like the game has grown so fantastically. But I know, as you said, there's athletes still speaking out. There's still so much work to do. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of everything like that um what else do you think we could do in terms of a society in terms of individuals to bridge that women's men's gap I don't yeah I just think we just need to I guess be more open-minded like, I think there has been so many times where like you've played a game or someone's come to watch and they've come up to you after and been like oh, that was brilliant. Like, why have I ever been to watch before? Or, like, I've been watching my partner and then someone's said, oh, yeah, I watched it on the TV for the first time. It was brilliant. I just think I've never spoken to anyone that said, right, go and watch women's rugby or women's football or women's sport in general, and they haven't enjoyed it. So I just think people need to be more open-minded. Like, I don't really get this whole thing, like, of just 
trolling and like like I think so many people have said it like one of um I think it was El Snowsa one of the Wales girls she like tweeted like I have zero interest in men's sport but I don't scroll my twitter and every time bbc sport put on something about men's sport being like boy this is boring like <laughs> get a grip like just be open-minded people enjoy watching it and actually i challenge you to, to watch a game and i bet you do enjoy it and yeah i think in the world of social media it's challenging isn't it but well for one i think social media needs to change as well i think um people need to be more accountable and obviously i know that there was like the media blackout and stuff and lots and lots of high profile athletes have spoken out but when is that going to change because it's ruining stuff at the minute um and the amount of times do you see athletes comment about oh well I went on social media and and now I feel really down in myself and actually that could be stopped so easily um it's not up to someone to say well you're crap it's up to you and your coach to sit down and say actually yeah you made that mistake but actually whatever and learn from it but people just get so consumed in social media and the comments um that needs to change as well. And I think that'll make a massive, massive difference. Absolutely. Um, I think people forget that these athletes are human beings. Yeah, as well. massively. And as you say, some of them might be working two other jobs whilst try to train and try to play as well. Um, yeah, and especially with the, um, like the Premier 15s league as well, pretty much all of those girls... Um, some of them will get paid through club some of them are obviously contracted through their country but a lot of them will be working and playing there's just got to be that acknowledgement that they they're sacrificing a hell of a lot to play at a really high level and and have obviously worked their asses off to get there and I think that's sometimes what people don't understand is us as female athletes we're not asking to be paid 26 grand a game like some of the men are like the England rugby men get paid 26 grand a game we're not asking for that but what we're asking for is proper investment proper coverage so that things can move on and 10 years down the line we might be asking for that amount of money because we fill out Twickenham and, and whatever else and I think there's got to be we've got to stop jumping on the back of the oh well you don't sell out the stadiums thing because that's just like so frustrating i'm like yes we know that we're fully aware of that yeah but what we we want is opportunities to be able to do that and if no one kind of steps forward and invests then that's never going to happen and what we forget is that actually back in 1995 men's rugby went professional but someone invested in that and now look at it and so if someone invested properly in women's rugby as well 35 years down the line or whatever we are now no 25 years whatever a few years down the line in the future (laughs) yeah it it, we could have progressed to that point um so we we need to stop that as well yeah i think think some of it like as you said you really good point in terms of an individual basis the um social media instagram all that sort of stuff but for me just though i don't get why these organizations such as like the bbc even like mm-hmm. governing bodies. So I know recently what the Six Nations, was it, was it an episode of Flog It that they've put yeah. on instead of the Six Nations? And yeah. I'm not being funny, but like there's hardly anything on the telly. Like yeah. stick the rugby on so people have that opportunity scrolling through. Oh, right, this is on. I'll see what my granddad's yeah. watching it. Like, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's just those opportunities. It's, it baffles me. It really baffles me. No, I completely 
even like facilities wise um in terms of like the euros was it the not the euro sorry the six nations from one of the teams was, they didn't have access to hot water for one of the games mm-hmm. yeah how, how is that happening like how is that happening yeah but again, that, that's probably down to the MGBs, isn't it? Because they'll just stick the women's at the cheap club down down the road. And I do think that, so that was, um, I think it was a Scotland-Wales game and it probably was a, a few, three, like four years ago now. Well, it? Yeah, and it was literally so muddy, like the ground yeah. clearly was just awful. And then they, they didn't have any hot water, so couldn't Lovely. shower after. And you're like, there needs to be some minimum standard standards here. But basically that was Wales making a shortcut. But you're right, like, the NGBs need to stand up and say, actually, we're going to invest yeah. and they need to see the opportunity in it. Um, but there's too many that just think of it as a burden, as a tick box. And, I, and it is definitely changing. But I think like um, Poppy Cleo kind of said after the Women's Six Nations that she didn't feel like she could say this in her interview and put an Instagram post about it. She was like, I'm not going to be funny, but we can't just keep playing England as fully professional athletes against amateur or semi-pro because it's, just a bit embarrassing now really when England go out there and and beat yeah. everyone and I think France are pretty good but they haven't beat England for about 10-12 games now something like that maybe so like other countries need to stand up and say actually we're going to back our women because we want to beat England we want to win the next World Cup right I mean realistically in the next one's 2021 um, 2022 next year because it got postponed but like the one after that it'd be really good to see someone that's not New Zealand or England win it um but they're not going to do that without the investment. And yeah. so they need to stand up. And actually, it was really quite refreshing for me coming into Para Swimming, um, who obviously a world-class programme, so overseen by UK Sport, because obviously their priority is Paralympics. Um, and actually, there's no disparity between funding. It's all done on your performance. And it was, it was really refreshing to come in. And actually, we've got more women, we've got more girls, young girls and athletes that are female than we have male and I'm like yeah go girls you've like you got this like and you know like credit to people like Ellie Simmons and, and stuff like that who have done masses to to promote and give opportunities to, to young power of swimmers but that's come from Ellie making a name of herself and then promoting power of swimming and the opportunities she's got um, and that's probably why we have more female athletes but we need more of that we need more of someone holding these kind of football, rugby, cricket clubs accountable to equaling everything out. Like, and fair play to UK sport. I don't think they really have any option, but like to make <laughs> things equal. Um, but it just shows what you can do if you give women that platform. We can we can smash it. Of course we can. Absolutely, absolutely. I know because recently the uh, Birmingham City ladies, the football, they put a statement out about their facilities. And, and again, yeah. that that discrepancy across WSL clubs. Again, minimum standards. We're not asking for the world in terms of performance, but we know we're not going to replicate what the men have done at this moment, at right now. But minimum standards? Yeah. Basics. Yeah, and I find this like really challenging because it's similar with um, in the rugby and the Prem 15. So it's essentially the Prem 15s mirrored the franchising of, of the women's premiership. Um, but again, the disparity from teams like Saris and Quinns who have been in the final the last three times and Saris have won twice, then Quinns won yesterday. It's the same teams because they've got more investment, more support from their men's side. And then it's teams like Paul, like DMP, 
Richmond that they were probably hitting the minimum criteria, but very minimally and like just scraping by and maybe not doing things quite right. And it sounds like that's similar for Birmingham. And like, I, I mean, <laughs> Birmingham, the men's team, I know are a little bit up and down in trouble, but I'm not being funny. <laughs> if you, go, I'm sure if you go see the car park where their men's team are trading, there's a hell of a lot of nice cars out there. And actually like, do those men need that nice car, those nice cars or actually can you take some of that investment and put it into the women's side and, and get return from that? Um, and another thing that actually really annoys me is when team like is like when the FA or England rugby say, oh yeah, we've got a professional women's team. But I reckon half of those Birmingham players are not on a wage you can call professional. And again, Prem 15's first professional league. There's no professional players apart from those that are contra contracted by their company because the amount they get from the clubs is not a professional contract. So that needs to stop as well. And they need to stop marketing it as that to make themselves feel good. They need to stand up and say, like, actually, yes, there will be some players that earn a lot of money, but then there's a lot of players that are playing because they love it and aspire to do that. But you're taking the piss out of some of those people and probably some staff members as well that are probably not earning a lot because the club doesn't have that much money to invest, but they have to have practitioners. Yeah. How would, how would you define professional then, mate? Well, I think realistically you need to... I think those two leagues I would describe as elite. They're the top of their game and like Prem 15s and the WSL, probably two of the best leagues in the world. So don't get me wrong, they're elite. But to be a professional league, I think you have to have every single player on a wage that they can live on. And whether that whether that's defined as 20 grand, 25, I don't know, but it needs to be something that they can comfortably live on. And don't get me wrong, you're going to have players further down the pathway that are maybe on less than that or maybe step up to do a job every now and again that are not professional. But that's part of that process of learning and developing and moving through the system. Um, but I also think there needs to be enough members of staff as well in those setups to make sure that everything can be done properly. Um, again, I know in some of the rugby teams, you've got members of staff literally working about three or four jobs um, and it's just not not enough time or money put in. So I think it's just, I guess, having enough resource in terms of kind of practitioners facilities um, and making sure that every player is able to live off their wage and, and hopefully live comfortably. Um, Although I think realistically that's quite a few years off yet. Um, but we need to stop phrasing it as professional when it's elite. I think yeah. there's a very specific difference. Yeah, it certainly feels like the women's, the WSL has, has hit speed, especially the last couple of years in terms of that setup of elite and more players on professional contracts. Yeah. You see it dipping into like the championship, like Leicester, they, they went professional this year professional again like yeah again there's there's probably some discrepancy as there is there is across all clubs how many years some uh, players are on contracts how much money they're getting what's in it again after that is uh, some in education it's it can be a bit of a minefield but as you say it, it's the infrastructure around it as well which it, it needs to thrive yeah and you know what i don't think no facilities aren't the be all and end all is that the right way of saying it yeah that's the one. Um, but it needs to be functional so yes 
a club could have a pretty crap gym, but if everyone bought in and did it and the S&C coach is brilliant, you'd get just as much out of it as if you had a state and art, state of the art facility and a mediocre S&C coach and some of the girls that didn't turn up. Like I, th- I do think, you know, not every club needs like 15 lifting racks and loads of space and a sprint corridor or whatever, but then, but there needs to be some kind of minimum that is actually adhered to. Um, and that kind of buy-in as well, I guess, from from everyone involved. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that changed with the introduction of Prem 15s was that actually everyone was expected to do S&C, which they weren't before. So actually that made a massive difference to the game because you kind of had to hold people accountable to that. But I think there are different ways of doing it and some of the clubs do it really well, some of them don't do it that well. Um, so I think, yeah, the facility is one... I do think it's important, but I think there are ways around it. And it and it is one of those things that if you've got the right, probably the right people and the right support, the facility isn't actually the important bit. Yeah, no, uh, very, very, very valid point, mate. The, um, I feel like we've just massively like put people off trying to get into performance sport. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. It is amazing, but it's obviously very challenging. <laughs> So in terms well, of- I think we're mainly talking about kind of the yes. more the NGBs yes. and like the politics of it all, aren't we? But I think if you Absolutely. if you have the opportunity to go into performance sport and embrace it and everything that it can give you, yeah, then it's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. So what what tips would you give to anyone who's looking to pursue a career either in performance sport or looking at that career path that that you've gone down? Yeah. Um, I think for, for me, one of the most important things is communication. Um, being able to, most importantly, receive feedback and use it as a learning opportunity um, and be really transparent with your communication and what you're doing. I think no matter, looking back on it as like an athlete, like being that person to reach out to the coaches and say like, right, what do I need to get better at? like it only puts you in a good place like it makes you kind of that person that they think oh they actually really care but also you're going to get something from it if you don't know what you need to learn or change or do differently then you're not going to get any better the next game or the next game after that or whatever but equally in my role as a performance lifestyle at the minute like being able to communicate effectively with athletes with staff with kind of people communicate sport but then on the flip side, when I've got someone that's communicating well with me, it makes my life so much easier as well. So I think I've now seen it from the other side. And actually those athletes that reach out and be like, right, Justine, I need some help with this. I'm like, yep, yeah, wicked. Like we can do that and yeah. they will get the benefit from it. But if I'm chasing someone like, right, I need you to sign up to this or I need you to respond to this. And like a week later, they haven't. And I'm just like, well, how much do they actually care? Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, massively communication don't be afraid to ask for help because we all need help we're not perfect reach out and just ask for feedback and be open to it because it is a learning opportunity and no matter where you end up in life you're going to learn forever because things change so don't see it as a negative see it as a positive yeah mate I absolutely love that point I think that's across the board as well even in my profession that people are scared of making mistakes uh, mm-hmm. scared of asking for help there's this massive fever failure 
Um, people are, are scared or worried, anxious to give feedback um, because I don't want to upset someone. No, if you deliver that feedback in the correct manner, it's, it's just going to benefit both parties. And again, people not taking feedback as an insult yeah. as well. That's it's essential for your ongoing learning, your CPD, all those types of things. And I think looking back, those communication skills like are centered around team sport. Yeah. Everything can be drawn and you can get so much from team sport. Even if it's not sport, being in a team, being in a group, yeah. getting out there, speaking to people, speaking to different people. It's just going to benefit you in whatever career path that you go into. That's always one of the things, like, I still do the, like, the odd school visit and stuff now, and I'm always like, no matter what level of sport you do, communication is vital. And I always give the example that, like, when I was 12, I was playing in a women's hockey team, and, like, my mum was there, and my mum's friends, who were, like, what, 40 at the time. But I had to learn how to communicate and, like, socialise with them. And I think that's just, like... Wherever you go in sport, you're going to have to speak to different people, different ages, different backgrounds, whatever it is. And I honestly think that's, like you're saying, like you get that from those experiences because you're just thrown in and you have to get on with it. Um, and communication, no matter what job you do, <laughs> is absolutely vital. So if you can nail it in a sporting context, then those transferable skills to after are just absolutely invaluable. And employers love it as well and like really look for those kind of kinds of things. And like the teamwork element, even if you're an individual sport, you've got to work as a team. And how many how many jobs are there where you literally just work on your own? <laughs> very, very few. So you've got to have that element of teamwork and being able to communicate with that team efficiently. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, mate, I honestly I cannot thank you enough for, for coming in and chatting with us because it's been so insightful and it's bit you give such an honest honest account of your own experiences and how that's affected you and again the not problems with society but the the learning that society can do in terms of, of pushing the game forward and pushing women's sport forward so yeah um, just got a little visitor as well i was gonna say how's the dog <laughs> <laughs> such floppy ears <laughs> I love that. I love that. This is the only door in the house you can push open, so <laughs> that's a question coming in. But yeah, no, thank you. That was that's brilliant. Like no problem. Like happy to happy to chat. No, class mate. Um, well, you definitely take care, mate, and yeah. keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a fantastic job. Um, and I'll certainly be looking forward to the Paralympics for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm I'm leaving before. Um, well, leave, got four more days of work, so but I'll be watching the swimmers um, very closely, um, and then yeah, start my new job. So <laughs> God knows what I'll be doing. I don't know. <laughs> and what's your new job again, mate? In <clears throat> England talent manager at wheelchair basketball. Exciting, exciting. That pathway. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, all the best, mate. And like I say, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with us. No problem at all. All right, catch you soon, mate. Good, mate. Bye. 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 Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sport Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.